I will be playing my college football at the University of Shotgun. Drops to the 50, now steps behind the 50, runs to the right side of the 45, Wisconsin to the 40, throws it long down the field toward the end zone, Devin Smith! Touchdown! Devin Smith! He's got it for a touchdown in the middle of the end zone! With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Hello, and welcome in. You are looking live at the first ever uh, TF Live show. Um, I'm Tyler. This is what my face looks like. <laughs> and I'm Josh. I mean, you might have seen us on the draft live stream. That was the first official TF. That's true. Show, but the first TFU live show, for sure. Yeah. First video show. Um, hopefully, hopefully to, uh, going to be bringing you a few more of these as well. Hoping to start to get the videos back fired up. Now we've got into a bit of a routine with the pod. Now we've got a bit of structure. And, uh, yeah, it's been good fun. Welcome to, uh, to New York. Yeah, so the reason why you're seeing us live and on camera is because Josh is visiting me here in New York, all the way across the pond from London. He's been here since Thursday, and it's currently Sunday at 4.30. And Josh, how are you feeling? It's been a couple of long nights. I won't lie to you. <laughs> I thought it was much of a night out of you, so it's been a couple of, uh, a couple of heavy nights. I, I did wake up uh, about halfway into the first quarter of the games today, so you coming in at about 1.30 with some bagels, which, uh, which was greatly appreciated because it's... Uh, <laughs> A little bit of a sore head, but I will say I've enjoyed light beer. Light beer has sorted me out because I normally feel pretty rough after some heavy nights, but I felt pretty fresh. You know, life's, there's a few better things in life than like 15 Bud Lights throughout an afternoon. Like that is <laughs> better. Nothing better. Just watching games, hanging out. Yeah, it's been a, some long nights of <laughs> dragging Josh out till 4 a.m. And But after some bagels, some coffee, some Advil, water, a little bit of fan hits, we're feeling much better recharged at the Sunday slate on right here, but it's not an NFL podcast. This is a college podcast. And Josh, we gotta start first the first big upset of the game. First big upset of the year. That's not English. First big upset of the year. That's not even right either. We're gonna, we're gonna cut this part. <laughs> it is the first well kind of first big upset big. of the week. Yeah. First big upset of the week. First big upset of the week. Kansas taking down number six Oklahoma, thirty-eight to thirty-three. This was a crazy game. We had a we had a, a big weather delay in this game, which kind of made it a really interesting one. You know, Kansas came out really strong. Kansas came out firing. Oklahoma was struggling to get into any sort of rhythm, especially on offense. Then we had a weather delay, and you know, the stadium pretty much entirely emptied. They was out for probably close to an hour, yeah, hour and a half. Hour and a half. Um, and then when they came back out, it was the opposite story. Oklahoma were were juiced. They were moving the ball well. Kansas came out a little bit flatter, and then. Came down to the wire and Kansas managed to get it done. This was a this was a really fun game and you know I've been loving the Jayhawks all year so it's been it's a fun, fun one to watch them watch them get this upset and what are they now one game out of bowl contention only one more or was that they're six so they're now bowl eligible with six and two and they're now ranked twenty two in the most recent eight people that came out today um, yeah this is a Bean Boy podcast <laughs> we are Jason Bean fans and he really didn't have that big of a day in the air like fifteen thirty two two receptions. Neither team really could throw the ball that well. It was some weather, very rainy. And that, I think, is what struggled for Oklahoma is they couldn't get the passing game going. And Josh, when this game first kicked off and Kansas got that pick six, I'm like, Oklahoma's going to win the game. Win this game by running the ball. And they did. But Kansas just ran the ball better. They played great defense. They really shut down Dylan Gabriel. They shut down most of the Oklahoma run game. But Tyree Walker for um, Oklahoma had a nice performance. Uh, yeah, Kansas is fucking legit. I love it. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. And, and you know, we, we saw that, uh, Jalen Daniels kidding up, but obviously didn't play. But 
they got a chance of getting even better if he comes back. You know, if he does come back down the stretch and, and they, you know, they do get a bowl game and they, we could well see Jalen Daniels come back and then this team really elevates because they're playing some really good football without him at the moment and yeah, they, they really could be a, a contender if he comes back. I'm excited for this Jayhawks team. Now, if you're Kansas and you're Lance Leipold and you do get Daniels back, do you stick with the hot hand bean or do you go try to start it? Because we've seen other teams stick with the hot hand and it's working out for them. We're getting to Arizona just a little bit. But I don't know. I think you kind of just have to ride the hot hand of bean. Yeah. No, I, I feel that as well. You know, bean, bean has been good, but I do really trust Daniels. I just think he throws the ball better than Bean does. And, you know, Bean has been great, but I think if I, if it comes down to it, I've got to put my best eye out there. Even if the hand is hot, I've got to put my best eye out there. Oklahoma really struggled in this one for penalties as well. But if you saw what they ended with, they finished with 11 penalties for 101 yards. It's a real, real tough one, you know, 11 penalties giving up an entire length of the field and then, you know, losing by a single score. They're the ones that kill you. And they, they've been a little bit undisciplined the last couple of weeks. They, they haven't turned the ball over much until the last two weeks. I think they've had three turnovers now in the last two weeks and, and a lot of penalties starting to pop up. It's, uh, this Oklahoma team, I'll say, they look dangerous. They look a little bit undisciplined at this point in the season and they got to really clean that up if they want to, if they want to climb high this season. Yeah, it's kind of uncharacteristic of an Oklahoma team like this getting this many penalties. And they played pretty damn discipline, pretty damn well against Texas. And then ever since then, they go on that bye week. Now it's back-to-back losses and you're just looking, you're looking lost. And I don't know if we overhype Oklahoma a little bit too much. I don't think we do because they're a very good team. That may be a very good Texas team, mm-hmm. but we're starting to see the cracks in the armor of like how you're going to beat them. Are they shaking out to be a playoff team? Right now, I don't think so. There's too many better teams. That's the issue. You know, this is the, it, in maybe another year, they might take that number four spot, but there's comfortably six teams better than them right now. Comfortably. Oh yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And I think Texas could probably show, make a case that they are better than, even though they, you know, they won on a neutral field, but come December 2nd, December 3rd, when they might have to meet in Arlington again, um, I don't know. Texas might, might be able to take them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I've been quite a firm believer in this Texas team. Yeah, I think they probably would have their number if they played again. But this is a really good Oklahoma team and they've got a good defense and the you know, defense is really what sets the time coming down the stretch in some of the, the matchups that they've got coming up. So yeah, not really concerning times for Oklahoma, but there's definitely a few things that they need to clean up if they're going to make a serious push. And for jumping over Kansas, like they are, you know, I'll be their fourth or fifth in the conference right now. They have two conference losses, which is tough, but with how the Big 12 schedule is going to work out, Kansas has a chance to get into the Big 12 championship. And playoff aspirations probably not there, but for a 10 win season for a Kansas team like this, that would be huge. Well, it's been a massive turnaround in a couple of seasons by, by last night. Oh, this team really, really gone from strength to strength. I think, you know, this is the, I think I read this is the, the second time, in, I think it was in their history, they've made uh, bowl contention consecutive seasons or for at least a very long time it's it, it's been a yeah they, they've come on a long way and, and I've been enjoying the run I've been really enjoying this this Jayhawks team this year uh, yeah we talked about our big troll preview like we're big fans of this Kansas team and Lance Leipold has a fantastic job I hope he's able to stay in Lawrence because some big job openings in the Big Ten and we'll, we'll see if he stays but jump next to our second big upset of the day and unfortunately we weren't able to watch this one live we were um at an open bar. That's all I'll say. We're at an open bar. Uh, and that's number 17 UNC. They have now lost back-to-back games. They lost to Georgia Tech 46-42. to The UNC defense is just hot trash. 
It's hot trash. They just weren't there, and, and especially in the fourth quarter. This fourth quarter was crazy. You know, Georgia Tech scored on three consecutive drafts in the fourth quarter. They got up 22 points in the fourth quarter to win this one. They won by 10 and they put up 22. They didn't even need to put up 22. This is just a... Yeah, this UNC defense really, really struggled there uh, in the in the second part of this game. And it's an impressive win for Georgia Tech. You saw a big, uh, big field invasion. I don't know, I don't know if you saw them all uh, storm the field. Oh, yeah. This is a uh, shout out to my brother. Though. He has a big, a big pet peeve of his. Is he goes every single week there seems to be a field invasion. He's like, I thought it was meant for big occasions, and I'm like, yeah, that's called a triple. There's a lot of big occasions. Yeah, every <laughs> every game can be a big occasion. And when you're Georgia Tech, like you, you've been in the dumps the last three, four years. And to now beat UNC in back-to-back week or back-to-back seasons, both while they were ranked, both really much killed their ACC dreams. Hell yeah, rush the field. And speaking of rushing, shout out Dante Smith, man. Yeah, big, big shout out. Dante Smith released 178 rush yards. Really, really dominant, dominant on the ground. This, uh, this team was, this Georgia Tech team was, they, they ran all over UNC and, and UNC just had no answer for it. They stuck to the, stuck to the ground game and, but it worked. And quarterback did have four passing touchdowns. I think they they did he did did deal deal a bit in the passing game. But it was also up from the run. They ran. They were a dominant run team. They stuck with the rushing attack. They managed to to put the icing on the cake with uh, with four scores, four, four passing scores. So yeah, I think Georgia Tech ran for like damn near two hundred yards in the fourth quarter, and <laughs> it wasn't just Tommy Smith. Jamal Haynes, a backup running back, you know, eighty yards. Haynes King, the quarterback, transferred from A and uh, ninety rushing yards, like so. All around offensive domination by the Yellow Jackets, and for North Carolina, like geez, this is now back-to-back seasons that all right, we can take them seriously. You know, Drake they have a great offense, Drake made and get to the playoff, and they just fall flat every single time we get expectations. I think our show two or three weeks ago I'm just like, oh yeah, like, some take North Carolina seriously. You know, they're top ten, they're blowing everyone out. Defense is playing strong. Nah, I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's been a. It's funny because you know the offense still. Played a pretty good game here, like you know the the, the offense still put up like three hundred, I think three hundred and ten uh, rush yards in the end. I think they had like a really, really dominant, uh, really, really dominant performance there. But it's uh, yeah, it's the defense is what's concerning for me, and this is what we see with teams like USC. We've been saying this every week. You know, it doesn't matter how good your offense is if your defense is going to concede four or five scores every week, and if you're conceding that many to Georgia Tech, what happens if you come up against a good side? You got to put up 45, 50 and you know, May's been. Okay, this year. Okay, not as good as kind of we thought he was going to be, but I just don't trust them. I, I don't really trust them going through the rest of the season after this loss. And you know, I'd hope to see a bit of a bounce back for them, but we're getting quite late in the season, and we're still seeing some big cracks in some of these, some of these what we thought would be contenders, which is you know the USC's and, and, and now UNC. It's yeah, it's a funny, funny time in the season now because you kind of want to be over those cracks and you're not. And they're getting deeper and wider, and your games and your matchups are getting harder. So it's a, yeah, it's a tough, tough time for UNC right now. Yeah, and UNC coming up, they have the Camel Camels. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. They're an FCS team. Uh, they should win this one comfortably. Let me finish the season against Duke, your biggest rival, Tobacco Road at Clemson, which many of us thought was going to be an ACC championship preview, maybe a decider for a playoff spot. Not looking like so anymore. Then you finish against North Carolina State, your other rival. Like these are three massive, massive matchups you have coming up. And with how well Duke, North Carolina State, and even Clemson, their defenses are playing, you're only going to be able to score like no more than 28, 31. And your defense better be able to not give up fucking 40 in the game. Like it, 
it's just so sad to see. Yeah, yeah, and I don't really trust, I don't really trust that they can not give up that many points. You know, it's, yeah, it, it's tough for you at going forwards, and you know, they should get a good win this week, but I don't really think it's going to mean that much. It's, you know, like you said it's a FCS team, it's not going to be a, not going to be too tough of a showing, but it's a get right chance for them. It's a chance for the defence to actually show something and a chance for, for Drake May to and try, try and wake up a little bit more as well. B- boost his draft stock. That's yeah. all he got left. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to Heisman, you know. Maybe you can get to 10 wins. Maybe you, some chaos happens in the ACC every year. Maybe you can sneak in and try to match up against Fourth State. Just work, work for that New Year's Six Bowl and call it a season. I think, well, I don't know what Mac Brown's going to do. He's getting up there in age. It might be time for him to retire, retire, and go back to ESPN because they, they got to figure something out for North Carolina. It's like the most Mac Brown shit where you start off super hot, great offense, then your defense just falls apart middle of the season, late season, and it just costs you. But do shout out Georgia Tech, um, four and four, they are fighting for that ball eligibility, and they got to four and four in the weirdest way possible. You know, close loss to Louisville, blown up by Ole Miss, lost to Bowling. <laughs> Lost to Boston College, like, those are two bad losses. But then you beat Miami, you beat North Carolina. Those are ranked teams. Like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Coastal chaos, ACC chaos, I love it. <laughs> I haven't watched too much Georgia Tech this year, but maybe I have to start checking them out a bit closer. They had a couple serious wins now. Yeah, and against ranked teams. And Haynes King, like, shout out him. He's kind of turned his career around and might maybe a good draft this year. I don't know. Everyone, every quarterback is drafted now, I feel like. Like, if Aiden O'Connell can draft by the Raiders, like, sure, Haynes King can get drafted. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Finally, the biggest upset of the day, I would say, technically the night, that was Arizona taking on number 11, Oregon State. And Beavers, you just got turned into fish food. <laughs> Another one turned into fish food. I love this Arizona team, and we were raving about them last week. We were raving about them again this week. I have two words for you. Michael Wiley, coming off an ankle injury, putting up a very, very impressive day. Fudner, a very crucial fourth-quarter touchdown, which, uh, which well, he had two fourth-quarter touchdowns from Nova Figa, who's also been great. I know you're a big Nova, right? Yeah, this has been a, an amazing story for Arizona because they looked kind of a bit dead to rights this the season. They did not look like a good team. And all of a sudden, they've had this amazing offensive explosion. And, they look damn good. They look like a very good, well-drilled, well-oiled offensive football team. Yeah, Jed Fish is just a fantastic coach and honestly should be Coach of the Year nominated. Like, what he's been able to do, turn around this Arizona team as fast as he has, and all this momentum came when Jay Lord went out with an injury and they had to bring in the freshman Fafita, and they, they lose that game to Mississippi State because... Jaden Lord threw like four interceptions. They shot themselves in the foot. And they still lost by seven. And then they get rejuvenated when Fafita comes in. Close loss to Washington. Close loss to USC. Hey, those are those they should have beat USC. Yeah, they should have beat USC. Like Go for two. Beat USC. But the team's getting ready, getting right, and this is now back to back big wins against ranked teams. Josh, they have played four straight ranked teams. They should have three of them. They won two. They should have won three. They, you're right. I, hell, they they won should have won four. They probably could have beaten Washington. Like this is a good Arizona team. And people need to take notice. No Fafita is the truth. Yeah, this is a, a fantastic, fantastic offense. And if you haven't watched them and you like offensive football, treat yourself to the highlights because it's a 
It's very, very impressive. And as you said, this is their second second consecutive win over a ranked opponent. It's not they've not done since 2014. It's been a while. And I was surprised that they didn't make the rankings this week. You know, we, we, we checked the rankings when they came out. I thought they might have snuck in at 25, maybe 24. But yeah, I think, you know, they get another win this week. Who do they play this week? They have UCLA. So this is now going to be five straight games where they're playing a top 25 team. You know why? Because the Pac-12 is the best conference in America, baby. That's a real defense to play now. But so we will find out if this is an actually good offense if they go against that defense. That's a good UCLA defense. I'm excited for that one. That's going to be a really, really fun game. Huge shout out to uh, to Arizona and Nerf Peter and, and especially Jed Fish. Jed. So this is a Jed Fish podcast. This is a Jason Beans podcast. We'll get into it a little bit later. I think this might be a, you know Ollie Gordon podcast as well. We just love dudes and playmakers. Like it's college football. It's what's great. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned Ollie Gordon, but man, that guy's been insane the last few weeks. He's been absolutely insane. I think the last four weeks he's gone over like two points, which easily. Yeah, yeah, but we can get into Oklahoma State a little bit later. Any any other thoughts on Arizona or New State? We gotta we got talk about the worst fake field goal ever. Oh man, that's oh, it's so strange. Yeah. You've got three seconds left in the half, tie game, it's 10 10. They're like what, the 25 30 yard line? Yeah, they're on like the 25 30 yard line. And they run like an inside flip to the kicker. It, I like if, if you're gonna fake it, why are you trying to make your kicker run from for 35 yards, 30 yard touchdown? It's just insane. There's so much congestion in the middle. You've got three, like, like you've got. A chance at three points, take a lead going into the half. Arizona get the ball coming out the half. Very, very strange call that one. Very strange call. It, like, if you're going to go for it on four, then you try to get points, run an offensive play. Like, trot out DJU, bring out Styles Bowling, like, put the ball in your playmaker's hand. Don't give it to the 5'9, 140 pound kicker and have him like, hey, get 30 yards, get 30 yards. Like, it got to pick up a 20, but if you're going to run that play, you have to give yourself time to set another play after that. They, it got Arizona by surprise, but... You've got three seconds. you got three seconds, and you get 30 yards for a kicker. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, really, really strange play for one. And, you know, we, when we watched it, it was like, did they think they had more time? Did they... You know, what, what went on there? Because you're on your you're on the 30-yard yard line, and you flip it to the kicker to run from 30 yards, where you've got a chance to take the lead. It was strange. I'm, I'm noticing a thing now in the Pac-12 and Oregon schools specifically, um, in a close game, in a tough environment, and you're going to kick off in the second half and you need points, just take the points. Going four on four, it's, it's just not working. Dan Lane, Jonathan Smith, it's just not going to work. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Real strange one. Do you want to give a shout-out, though, of Oregon State? Shout-out that guy at the bar that we met. Allegedly, <laughs> 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 we met a former tight end that played at Oregon State at some bar last night. He could have been bullshitting me, I don't know. But yeah, shout out that guy. I hope he's doing well. Yeah, that was cool. Hey, he was a big dude, so yeah. really good. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> I have, maybe, maybe I was just imagining that. I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> um, for Oregon State, probably eliminates them from Pac-12 contention because now two losses and like two bad losses. That Washington State loss is looking a lot worse now. Like how how they fall off a cliff. And then this, you know, Arizona's a good team, but it's just not not looking good. They have a tough schedule remaining. They still have to play Washington. They still have to play Oregon. You can still get to that 10, like like I said with North Carolina, like I said with you know Oklahoma, Kansas. You can still get to that 10-win mark. You can still have a great season, but you're going to need a lot of help because you're now third or fourth in the Pac-12. You need Washington to lose one or two. You need Oregon to lose another one. It's, it's going to be rough for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
And I was actually really hoping that Oregon State could run the table and be like a top 10 team who would start talking about Oregon State being a playoff team. And the Civil War at the end of the year would be like deciding on who goes to the Pac-12 championship and who goes to the playoff. Like, that would have been awesome, but tough break for the Beavs. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I really, really believed in them the last couple of weeks. I thought they looked pretty good. The defense looked really, really good. And yeah. then this Arizona team comes out and tears them apart. But I, I, we do think this Arizona team is a really good one. So yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough way to kind of start the end of their season after Oregon State, if we say. Yeah. So now to the other Oregon team, Josh got to experience the beauty that is Legends, the Oregon alumni bar here, shout out all my ducks in New York. And also, one just a dominant performance by Oregon. All around just kick Utah's ass from start to finish. Utah did not score a touchdown in this game. No. Two, full, two field goals, Oregon outside of that one fumble by Bucky Irving, which I don't know if that was a fumble. Ty goes to the runner on that one. It was, I think, was it um, the DN that stripped it out of them and goes to the ground, but I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, uh, yeah. Oregon won 35-6, a huge, massive win for the Ducks in Salt Lake City. Something they haven't won since 2016. Justin Herbert's first uh, real big win. He's through a Hail Mary to Darren Carrington. Nobody knows who Darren Carrington is anymore because that guy's a dickhead, but I just know all his Oregon knowledge. <laughs> This was a. This is what I described as a, a truly professional performance from Oregon. This was just from start to finish in every phase of the game. Oregon dominated. They they were better on offense. They were better on defense. They were better on special teams. It was just a. I, I was quite surprised at how easy Oregon made this game look because this is a good Utah team. This is a good Utah defense. The offense found some rhythm the last couple of weeks, but you know still kind of dealing with the backup quarterback in and, and have been a little bit inconsistent, but. I really expected the defense to, to play harder. Oregon's run game looks very, very legit. You know, we, we're a big fan of uh, Bucky Irving. Nick's played a decent game. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tough loss for Utah because they went in there well, really expecting that they had a big chance in this game. And I picked them, I picked them for, to win this one. And was, yeah, very surprised at how much they seemed to, seemed to roll over. And, and Oregon just had their way. They just had their way the whole game. Lanning definitely had them ready and prepped because Utah's right off that emotional high. They had game day. Bryson Barnes is the local hero, the pig farmer. What was that stat? We saw uh, 12,000 pigs. That's the most in FBS. Yeah, yeah raised 12,000 pigs, most in FBS. Amazing <laughs> record. Yeah, uh, just Utah really had no answer to Oregon's defense. Like, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. Like, Bryson Barnes stat line, 15 of 29, 136, and then two interceptions. And they were, like, ugly interceptions, just straight to no man's lane. I think Tysheen Johnson got both of them, plucked them off the ground. Dominant performance. Yeah, yeah, they were two really ugly ones. But as you said, Dan Lennon had, had Oregon ready. They came out first snap or first play of the offense, they get a delay game, and then they score on their first three drops. They put three touchdowns in and it's 21 nothing. It's uh they were ready because that place was loud. That place was rocking from the start and, and shout out the new stances. That that place was electric, even though they were getting getting beaten handedly, that place was electric and at the start of the game, you could you could hear it through the TV. It was it would have been a real hard environment to play in, and the delay game proved it. And then they went and were just really efficient, put three scores up on their first three drives, as I said. And from that point, Utah never came back. Utah never had a chance to come back. The Oregon defense held them to to, to not much on offense at all. And you said no touchdowns. Yeah, it was a, a professional performance from Oregon. And Oregon hands down is the best defense in the Pac-12. They have the most efficient offense right now. I, I know Washington is the best offense, but I, I think the way that Oregon can run the ball 
and throw the ball with Bo Nix is still very safe with it. What, two turnovers the entire year, and they created two turnovers in this game alone. Uh, they're now up to six in the AP poll. It's looking like we're going to get a rematch of Washington, Oregon, in order to myself knock on wood. <laughs> Last thoughts on this is Utah is going to kneecap somebody. They, they, they still have to play Washington. They're going to kneecap somebody because Kyle Whittingham is just the best damn coach in the Pac-12, maybe the country. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I, I mean, even though they had a tough game last week, I would not want to play them at any point in this season, especially coming up with a hard loss. Because they're going to be pissed. Whitman is going to be fired up. They got Arizona State and they're at Washington. Good luck to those. Jumping into the Pac-12, staying in the Pac-12, number 24 USC survives 50-49 to against Cal. And USC should have lost this game. What the hell? This is the worst defense I've ever, ever seen. You have to fire Alex Grinch after this. Like, there's no reason that this man should not have been tarmacked at the San Francisco airport. Yeah, this defense is trash. I don't know what else to say. This defense is absolutely awful, and they have Kaylee. That's kind of the pro. Like, that's just the identity of this team is an insane college quarterback. And a horrendous defense, which just makes for really entertaining, stupid games. And the worst part of it is, they keep coming out on top of them. They should have lost to Arizona. They should have lost here. And it really annoys me when, what well, I think are bad teams win. It really annoys me. They can't keep getting away with this. I mean, they, they didn't. God, USC should have like four straight losses, five straight losses right now. Like they're, you know, if Arizona does the sort of thing, goes for two. Cal actually did try to go for two and the win in this game, which I commend that like, that's the right thing to do. Thank you, Justin Wilcox, for not being stupid. However, it was a bad play call by them. Um, yeah, they should have four straight losses and they should be fighting for bowl eligibility. <laughs> yeah, 100%. This game was a weird one, though, because before the game, we had a 30 minute delay due to some protesters. And the, then... the most Berkeley thing ever. Students sit out at midfield to protest. Like, <laughs> Alright, nerds. But I think the weirder thing is that the last play of the first half happened after half-time. Josh, explain this. So, USC have a 29-yard reception, goes down the sideline, and goes down in bounds. They say there's no time left, clock runs out. Lincoln Riley says there absolutely is time left, there's one second left. But, there's a big argument with the refs. But all of the players had already gone into the locker room and the band had come out onto the field. So the refs then go in, they speak about it, they come out and say, oh, actually, there was one second left. So after half time, we're going to run the last play of the half. Shout out to Pat Welbrus. We're going to run the last play of the half before we then kick off after half time. But anticipating this, UFC send out their kicker for half time to kick that field goal a number of times to practice it. And he's nailing it over and over again. And then they come out, they play, they get the playoff, and he pushes it wide right, they miss it, it's all for nothing, they kick off the third. This is just a, a batshit game from start to finish. Pac-12 refs, man. <laughs> we'll never get him again, thank God, because there's no reason that this should have happened. There's just no reason this should have happened. And Cal dominated this game for 58 minutes. At one point, the score was what? 28, 17... And then Cal jumps out 43-29 late in the, early in the fourth. And all right, you're going to win. Caleb cannot will this team back. And he will the team back. And Cal's defense was 
shaky, very shaky, but man. Yeah, and, and the US, USC defense managed to recover two fumbles in the fourth quarter. You know, they don't they don't turn that ball over twice. The only good thing this game, only good thing this defense has ever done. Yeah, 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 and and it was quite a play call. It's it's a tough way for them to tough tough way to lose a game, and they're going to feel rough for this one. But you know, this is a this is they're like the Vikings last year. They're just clinging on to these wins, to, these these small one score wins that they probably should be losing. And yeah, it's going to be a. A tough ride for USC now because, as we've said for, for for many weeks now, this schedule is so backloaded for them, and they're they're starting to run into the corner. And, and we said they probably should have lost their last four weeks on the on, on a row in a row, and they've scraped through, but they're not going to scrape through against some of these bigger teams they play. USC finishes against Washington at home this week, then they go to Oregon, and then they finish against UCLA. Three really good defenses. Three really good, or two very great offenses and one pretty good offense. Yeah, USC, you're looking at finishing 7-5, which is going to be the funniest thing possible. I'm a, I'm a huge USC hater. I love, you know, watching Caleb. I love Lincoln. But when you are a crack team like this, like, there's no reason USC should be this bad defense. It's just Lincoln refusing to fire his friend Alex Grinch, which... He did the same shit at Oklahoma. He let this team lose because they didn't have a defense. Out? Do they teach tackling? Like, what do they do during practice? I am genuinely curious because they have the athletes. What What is this defense doing? Well, I'd have to guess that they probably don't from what they look like. <laughs> so I honestly don't know. But, but maybe we'll try and get out to a practice next year. <laughs> no, Lincoln will not have us. Lincoln will like have you just. Take it out. He will have his people like, nope, this man needs to be, uh, he's Yes. This suit suits you, Lincoln. Like, you deserve this. <laughs> Do a quick shout out though. Jane Ott, 21, 153, three touchdowns. Such a good player. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in the portal after this year. He's a true sophomore. He balled out his freshman year. He's a very good running back and probably the heart and soul of this Cal team. I don't know if Justin Wilcox is going to be there next year. It's not looking like they're going to get bowled this year. That'll be back-to-back years. It's tough. Another team that hung on survived. Number five, Washington. Survives another one against Stanford. Now, what is it? Oklahoma, they win a big game, and then they crap their pants for two weeks. Washington wins a big game, crash their pants for two weeks. What What is it about these like high-profile games and the winners looking bad after? Yeah, I don't know. This is a couple of bad weeks for, for Washington, especially on offense as well. The defense had their struggles in this one, but the offense has struggled for, for two weeks now. And I think he had no passing touchdowns last week. A couple of weeks have been looking looking rougher on offense. You know, there, there was a few few inconsistencies still there. They they showed a bit of an improvement, but it was defense's turn as well to, to start to have a bit of a panic or a bit of a wobble. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if these teams get these big wins and then go into these smaller teams of, you know, a bit less preparation, a bit, you know, very easy to feel like you're watching you're just going to walk these teams and suddenly they come out punching them out and you have to fight, actually have to fight back and, and try and knuckle down. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I still trust this Washington team. I still trust Penix. I still think Penix is, is pretty much my favourite quarterback this year. Um, yeah, I can see the uh, Washington Huskies having a, a good run to close, this, close the year out. Yeah, and, you know, get your bad games out now, like, before you, you know, get into the final yeah. game of the season, and we, we know what Washington's capable of, like, Penix is probably the best quarterback in the 
country right now. Like, still would have them as my Heisman favorite. They still have one of the two best receiver tandems of Polk and Odunze. Polk went off today, or last night, I guess. Five for one, four eight, two touchdowns. Like, so good. You, you can't contain both of them. Yeah, cover run, Jalen goes off. Cover Jalen, run goes off. It's <laughs> a pick your own poison. Yeah. And I get it because Stanford is a very tough team to play. They will play keep away ball from you. They will grind at you. They will eat your kneecaps. And this game really did come down to a big fourth down play where it's tied like 30, so it's 35-33 midway through the fourth. Stanford's driving and they're in their own territory and they get under center. It looks like they're like almost like a wing T beer. And the quarterback hitches it to the running back going on the end around. And the cocks it back, throws it to the tight end wide open on the corner route, and he just drops it. And that just still Stanford's fate. Because there will drive down you bleed clock. Maybe you get a field goal with like, you know, two minutes left, or maybe you score a touchdown, you can put it away. And just the tight end drops it, and then Washington just immediately goes down. Because I think they're on like the what was it? They're on the their own twenty-eight. So Washington just goes down three plays, scores, puts the game out of hand. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one for Stanford. That's a tough way to lose it. And we saw some upsets this week and we've seen some, seen some, some not upsets, but there's been a few games this week that have been a really, really tough ways to lose and some, some tough ones to take. And it's just a sign that there's been a lot of really good football this year. There's been a lot of fantastic football played. There's been a lot of competitive teams. There's been some teams that are competitive because they have really bad parts of their team. But it's, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been a really fun, Really fun year so far. I really enjoyed this college season. And then Washington are, are probably my favourite team this year. Even though they struggled last week, I've really, really enjoyed watching them. Yeah, it's flown by. Jump around in Pac 12, number 23, UCLA. They beat Colorado 28 16. Good news, Colorado learned how to play defense this week, Josh. Bad news, they still have an O line. <laughs> All season we've been saying how bad this O line is. And Dion literally said, you told me today, Dion literally said, we need new linemen. And they've got, what, four games left? Which is a hell of a thing to say, considering those five guys up front that you want to replace are protecting your son. Old strategy there, Dion. It's like... Uh, well, not protecting. Yeah, <laughs> not protecting. Yeah. You ever seen the movie Longest Yard, Josh, where they just let Adam Taylor... <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. They're just knocking a block. And they're going to do it anyway. Oh, fair. <laughs> All right. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, Colorado has now lost, what, four... Four of the last five, and... Yeah, they look bad doing it. They look real <laughs> bad doing it. Uh, I think the best part about this game was, yeah, we didn't watch it live, saw the recap in the morning, was Shiloh Sanders, Dion's other son, the DB, hitting like a UCLA tight end receiver in the flat, flexing like he just did something, and then gets rejected for targeting. <laughs> <laughs> like, does that not describe Colorado perfectly? Like, flexing for the camera, trying to be cool, looking doing it, and you get kicked out, you're just done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the exact same thing as doing a, a like flexing after a, after giving up like a 25 yard game because you've got a big hit. It's exactly the same. Shout out the UCLA defense though. This is a very, very legit defense. This is a, a, a unit that's playing pretty much the best UCLA have had since I think it was 88 on the stats. They're giving up what 2.1 yards per carry, giving up 15 points per game. They are playing some damn good football, and they're gonna they got some top games coming up. They're coming up against some good offenses, but. I think they're going to be more than competitive in this game, in, in, in all of these games, just because of how good their defense is. The offense has been, leaves a little bit to be desired. It's not, not, not an amazing outfit, but you don't have to be an amazing outfit when you've got a defense that's that good. And they are that good. Yeah, this is an elite defense, probably the second best defense in the country, or in the Pac 12, certainly a top 10. Um, yeah, Ethan Garber is very efficient. He's kind of replaced Dante Moore. Dante Moore 
has not looked, he showed flashes, but again, very much a true freshman, made a lot of issues, made the switch to Garber, back the switch to Garber's last week against Stanford, it worked out well, worked pretty efficient this week, you know, 20, 27, two touchdowns, he had a pick, and with <laughs> Colin Schley, the other running back, also threw a pick, guess who got those picks, Josh? He will. Mr. Travis Hunter. Of course. He's so bad. I am... He is a great athlete, and Colorado has great athletes around it, but that's still not going to do you anything when you can't run the ball, you can't protect the quarterback, you can't play that much defense. It's it's tough. It's what we said last week. You know, you bring in guys like Travis, you get Shadur in, and these guys are good enough to give you a couple of extra wins a season. Are you going to get them three, four wins, maybe, maybe five? But, yeah, that's all it works. They're not going to get you, you know, a full brand new offense, brand new defense. They're not going to be coming out and, and, and really turning the team around. But it's a step in the right direction. We'll see what happens next year. We'll see if there's the same kind of insane level of recruiting than there was this year. You know, they go for an enormous amount of players and we'll find them down again. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting journey for Colorado. It's going to be interesting to see kind of where they go from here because they've got a long way to go still. Colorado's going to be fighting for ball eligibility in their final four games. And it doesn't get any easier, Josh. They have Oregon State. They have Arizona. They have Washington State. They have Utah. They, you're one win right now is so like Washington State. Yeah. Good luck. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, tough. They need to work out the offensive line. They, they can't run the ball, which is just a major issue this year. For them. They can't run the ball, and they run a lot of just single quick read stuff at all. It, it's it's one of them gimmicky college offenses, you know. It's it's Yeah, it's... We'll see what happens. But you kind of have to be quick one reads because Shiloh or uh, Shador just doesn't have any time to throw the ball. Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and that's where the, the buck falls with the O line. The O line have to have to fix it if this team's gonna make any sort of push. And UCLA finishes the season with Arizona, Arizona State, USC, and Cal. Four very winnable games. That Arizona game might be a little tough for them though. Um, don't be surprised if UCLA on that final week is looking like they might make the Pac-12 championship. They've been very quiet. And jumping in now to another big game that we're kind of excited for and left a lot to be desired. Number 18, Louisville. They shut out number 22, 23-0. The Blue Devils, without their quarterback, are just, they got nothing. And Louisville just dominated them from the start. Duke could not run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. This is an easy win for the, for the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Don't have too much to say on this one other than another professional performance. This was Oregon-Utah-esque. This was a team that came in ready from the start and they just expertly dealt with everything that Duke threw at them. Duke obviously struggling with the, with the quarterback change there and, and I think they're going to take a little bit of a, of a nose dive to, to close the season out because that is quite a big, uh, big downgrade there. But they shot Louisville. They, they were, they were decisive. The offense has been decent and yeah, I think they're, they're, Bit better than they have been the last couple of weeks, and this was a good game. But I thought they could have scored more. This is a this is a Louisville team that I do like, and I think they are a bit better than they've shown so far. Jamar Jordan, the running back, another monster performance. He had a great game against Notre Dame this past week. Twenty one for one sixty three and two tutties. They just ran the ball all over them. Like Louisville is a very efficient team. I I still don't understand how they lost, but it happens. Especially that awful, awful pit team who got blown out by Notre Dame this past week. That's my one Notre Dame sneaking right there. Um, Rather did play though, he's just couldn't do anything. They only yeah. had 150 yards passing, 50 yards rushing. Like the defense could only hold for so long. And we kind of knew that going into the game. Like, all right, Riley Leonard's not healthy. You're going to have to run the ball. And if you can't run the ball, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. 
So that's, you got, got any thoughts on the, that one? As I say, you know, this is just a professional professional performance from Louisville. There, there, there's not too much more to be to be said on this one. Duke travelled to Louisville, dealt with everything they threw at them and, and managed to have their way on offense. If Louisville continues to handle business, it'll look like they're going to have a nice date with Florida State in that ACC championship. Cardinals are sitting second in the ACC. You know who's in third, Josh? Tell me. So it's Virginia Tech Hokies. <laughs> For some God knows reason, they are in third in the ACC. They played on, I think Thursday, we're, watching, we're out watching the Thursday night game. When we had that one on, they beat the crap out of Syracuse. Just want to mention this game really quickly because, one, Syracuse, on a four-game skid right now, they are cratering. Dino Babers is looking like he might be out. And shout-out for Virginia Tech. Like, they figured it out. Everyone thought this was going to be the worst team in the ACC this year. And they're sitting at 4-4, four 3-1 four, conference play. Hoping they're doing a great job. We don't know nothing. We all know nothing. All the preview mags had them as the worst. Yeah. We heard them as the worst. <laughs> and here they are. It's just a well... <laughs> Coach team and they just play hard. They play Louisville this week. Ooh, so that'll be a fun game. That will be a fun game. Winner is second in the ACC definitively. Another big ACC matchup was NC. I wouldn't say big, but a surprising result: NC State versus Clemson. NC State won twenty four seventeen, and this is now Clemson's first back to back loss season since twenty eleven, which is an insane stat. You know, Clemson have been very good and, and, and respected over the last decade to, to have your first consecutive losses since, what, 12 years now? 12 years, yeah, yes. That is insane. But this year, they are not good. They are not a good team. They are struggling in a big way. Offense, defense, special teams, it's all out of sorts right now. The offense especially is really struggling to get anything going. Turning the ball over, had three interceptions in the last two games. They've, they've been... They've just been struggling a lot, you know. He's, he's, he, they, they were fairly efficient in terms of the turnover ratio up to the last two games. The turnovers have really started to show in the last couple of games, but before that, the offense has been struggling pretty much every week that we watched them. And it's no surprise that they're now sitting at what four and four, four and four, yeah. Virginia Tech has the same record as Clemson, folks. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Kate Klubnick is not the five-star number one quarterback guy that we thought he was going to be, and this is now the second time this has happened to you, Dabo. Happened with DJU. Transferred out. Now Kate Klovnik. It's not looking good. He just doesn't read the field. He throws bad interceptions. If it wasn't for Deshaun Washington, Trevor Lawrence, Dabo is selling insurance. That's not true. Dabo's a very good coach, but he two generational quarterbacks really make or break Dabo. It helps you. Huh? Yeah, it, it, it helps you. It, coaching football is a lot easier when you have two NFL yeah. caliber quarterbacks. Yeah, and, um, you know, turnovers have really, really been, been killing them. That's 15 turnovers now over the season in eight games, and, and they've given up 64 points off these turnovers, which is real hard to come back from when you're giving the team other points. You, you just can't be giving other teams points like that. The offense did outgain NC State in this one, but it didn't, doesn't really mean they had anything meaningful. You know, they, they, they had some chunk yardage, they, they did get some yards in this one, but they did, did nothing meaningful with it. Hoping uh, Will Shipley's alright, he took a, took a nasty hit to the head and neck area. Apparently he had an x-ray that, um, that Davis said he hadn't had the results from yet. But yeah, I have, haven't seen an update on, on that one yet, but hoping that, that Shipley's alright. You know, the the way that you kind of sum this one up is, let's look at the, the end of the first half. They miss a field goal, close field goal, and it just kind of sums up them to be this year. You know, they struggle to get the ball down there, and then they get it there, and then they miss the field goal. I'm just like, that, that's, going, that's the 2023 Clemson Tigers. And they brought in Garrett Riley from TCU to like rejuvenate this offense, like reinvent it, because they were 
stagnant last year. Like, all right, we'll get the hot new OC in, make the team better. We'll have this young freshman quarterback or sophomore quarterback that's going to come in and they just don't have any results. It's sad. And you nail it exactly because their red zone woes are what's costing them these games against Duke. It was 28-7 loss, but they had two fumbles inside the running part line. Against Miami in overtime, down in the red zone. Hit Columbus sides to keep it. You lose. NC State now, that missed field goal. You lose. Against Florida State, they had two turnovers in the red zone. They, their only loss by more than seven points was to Duke. And if they score on those red zone trips, they win the game. It's what separates great teams and good teams is execution and... Clemson is a good team because they don't execute. This is a far between six and two team. If they, they have half the turnover. Yes. Now, they're only a seven turnover team rather than a 15 turnover team. This is a completely different, completely different conversation we're having. But yeah, I just, I don't really see a way out of it for Clemson right now. I just see that they're still going to have a lot of the same issues going forward. And it's, just, it's just the 2023 Clemson Tigers this year. It's just, they're just not efficient on offense and it's, Making winning football games really hard. Yeah, and this is their first four-loss season since that 2011 season. They have Notre Dame this week at home. We'll see what that turns into because if they lose that, this will be their first five-plus loss season since I think like 2007 or something. Like it's was it still Dabo? No, this, so Dabo's first year was 2010 or 2011. Yeah. So, so yeah, has I, he ever had a five-loss season? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, he's a great coach. It's just. Having two generations of questions. Yeah. yeah, it makes you a national champion coach versus, you know, you're looking at like a Duke's Mayo or something. Not even Duke's Mayo You'll be lucky to get that. <laughs> Hell, look at the rest of your schedule. Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina. They could lose three of those last four and miss out on a bowl game, which would be hilarious. <laughs> Stay in the ACC. Miami narrowly avoids the UVA upset. They win 29 26 in overtime, their second straight overtime win. I was really hoping UVA could pull this one out because that would have just made like that would have just been awesome. You beat my you beat North Carolina, then you beat Miami, just Virginia kneecapping the ACC. <laughs> yeah, it's a brutal one in, in absolutely crushing fashion. Uh, the Washington Cavaliers fall to Miami in, in overtime. You know, they led the game early. They were 10 10-0 early in this game. They were 23-20 with four minutes left. It's a uh, it's a real tough one for Virginia because they had a feel like they should have won this one and, and, and couldn't get it done in, a, in overtime after uh, Mark Fletcher landing an 11, 11 yard score for the for Miami to win this one. It's tough for UVA, it's really tough for UVA because, I don't know, before the game, do you think that they would have felt like they had much chance in this one? Like they yeah, a chance. I thought they would have they, they, they thought that coming in. And, you know, they, they played well, they played well, definitely played well enough to win this one. And, uh, the dominoes just didn't fall in. In how they thought they would. Uh, yeah, it's a tough, another tough way to leave the game this week. We've seen a few of them this week, and that's another tough one. Yeah, Tyler Van Dyke for Miami, still not looking good. Said it last week, I'll say it again this week. This Miami team is good. They have great athletes out wide. They have a good line. They have a great defense. It's just the quarterback position is killing you right now, and the coaching is also killing you. Mario Cristobal. That's all. That's all. <laughs> the less said about Cristobal, the better. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much so. Jumping over now to the SEC. Georgia, they smashed Florida. 43-20. And Florida got some garbage time touchdowns. This should have been like 43-6. 
No Bowers, no problem. Lyle McConkey stepped up as the number one guy as a receiving target. It the overrun was 46. I said they were going to cover on their own. They got this close. They got this close. It's Kirby Smart. He's he gets his teams up for the big games. If he wants to try, he will try. Just so many big plays in this one as well for Georgia. Just so many big chunk plays. You know, they only completed 19 passes, but they went for 315 yards. It's just a, a, a typical Georgia team. You know, they're just dominating. Their defense is really, really good. As you said, the Florida scores only came in garbage time. This was closer to a 43-6 game. Yeah, it's Georgia doing Georgia things, and their real test starts to come in the next couple of weeks. So... I think we said uh, next week might be the first George game we've actually watched live because they've just been <laughs> pasting no one at yeah. the moment. Like, they had that, what, one talking against Kentucky where they just plastered them, put up like 50 plus on them, put up 50 burger. And that's it, not, that was like a half test to Georgia. Yeah. And I don't know, this might be a half test also. They get Missouri this week, but they have it in Athens. If this game was played at Missouri, I would give them a fighting chance. Hey, I'm a big Brady Cook guy. I love the Tigers. I don't see how this Georgia defense just does not strangle them like a like anaconda, just squeeze them to death. They're not going to be able to throw the ball. They're just going to bring pressure, get sacks. Yeah. Um, hey, it's Georgia though. Yeah, yeah. I don't see don't see too much trouble for them, but I do think this is probably a bigger test than Kentucky was. I don't think Missouri are a good sign. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in this one. I fully expect Georgia to win it, but. Yeah, and for Florida, they're now 5-3. and three. The Billy Napier discourse is going to be interesting because Florida fans expect a certain level of excellence, and right now this offense really isn't delivering that as like, they see fit. They snuck away against South Carolina. Sure, it's a win, but they're losing these big games against Jordan, against Kentucky, against Utah. Yeah, you beat Tennessee, but you're still hovering around that probably seven-win mark. They self-play Arkansas, which is going to be a win. So you get six right now. And then you finish with LSU, Missouri, Florida State. Three ranked teams to finish the season. Good luck, Florida. Good luck, Florida. You're probably got six and six. And the Billy Napier discourse will be, do we fire a coach after two years? You shouldn't, but... If he's six and six, you think they don't? They're going to try to, which they shouldn't. He's a good coach. Graham Hurst is a quarterback. You can't... Graham Hurst is not a real quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, we've been saying for a while. Glorified cross player. Yeah, and, you know, we said for a while that we're not the biggest, not the biggest Graham Burst fans. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I don't think he should be fired, but as you said, the Florida fans will be calling for it if he's 66 to close it to you. Yeah. Staying in the SEC, number 21 Tennessee, they ran all over Kentucky, 33 27. This is not your fuck Josh Heupel offense of last year because they're just running the ball now. You know, those wide splits are getting them out real wide and opening up past in the running lanes and they just dominated Kentucky. Uh, yeah, fuck Josh Heupel. <laughs> always, always. Yeah, this was a, a dominant performance on the ground by uh, by Tennessee. Uh, so, yeah, they really, really took it to Kentucky who I thought were, were improved coming out of the bye week. You know, they looked a little bit rough coming, uh, especially on offense the last couple of weeks out. But they looked, uh, looked pretty good coming uh, on the offensive side this week. Uh, they, they did play play Tennessee close. The big issue here for, for Kentucky is the defense. The defense has given up 122 points the last three games. And that makes it real hard to real hard to win when you're giving up over 40 a game. Yeah, it's uh, we need to see an improvement on that side of the ball because this Kentucky offense is decent. I think, they, I think they're a good outfit. I think they're creative with the way that they make space, especially in the run game. They should 
be better. They don't have a defence. That seems to be the story of a lot of college football, especially this year. There's some good offences, there's some real bad defences. It makes winning games really tough when you have to put up 40 every week. They're only the one two phases of the game to really have a chance, and Kentucky really only wins one phase of the game. Yeah. <laughs> and even then, they're not winning one phase of the game. Like, they're only really passing. They, the run game was shut down for Kentucky. They only got 72 yeah. yards the entire game. Versus Tennessee, they brush for 250. Like, yeah, it's a bit of a role reverse in this yeah. one because Tennessee are normally the downfield passes from Kentucky that would create a run game. Well, Tennessee's been running the ball a lot more this passing just because they don't have the receivers out wide. And yeah. Joe Milton's not a good quarterback. He's just a junk machine that chuck balls. Yeah, and they seem to have figured that out sort of the last few weeks, the first couple of weeks of the season. They were still throwing it a lot on the first few weeks of the podcast. We were like, it's Joe Milton. It's not very good. No. <laughs> Stop doing that. And they, they have been and they've, they've adjusted and they look decent. They look Tennessee look decent. As much as it's fucked Josh Heifel, Tennessee will look decent. Yeah, and it's a good get right game for them because that tough loss to Alabama. They're out of it for the SEC East, but they still have a lot to play for for the rest of this year. They're gonna still stay in the SEC. I'm just gonna do a little quick note on this one, Josh. Jimbo survives another week because the price of oil is still not above hundred dollars a barrel. Uh, he gets to keep the job again. Jumping over to the Big Ten, uh, kind of the premier. Game of the Big Ten this past week. Marvin Harrison carries Ohio State over Wisconsin 24-10. Just what's, what's new? No, what's new? <laughs> the best receiver in college football. Bar none. Does it again. Yeah. Does it again, yeah. <laughs> Every I, week. I think he went like it was like 16 of 125 and he didn't have 16 catches, but bear with me on this one. 16 of like 125 and two touchdowns. It was uh, he had 11 targets, but it was six catches, 123, two scores. He's so fun. It's insane. He's what's an average of 20, 20 and a half yards on six catches, yeah. So. He's outrageous and they've got some amazing talent around him. I know Ekbuka hasn't played, I don't think he played this week again, but when he's back, this offense is, is very, very feisty. It's a team that I've been a little bit, little bit harsh on this year and, you know, last week started to really turn around to them and be like, oh, actually, maybe they are. And damn good. It's, it's Wisconsin, like, Wisconsin, not the team that we are used to in the Big Ten West. They're rebuilding. It's a new system, it's a new quarterback, it's a new coach. But to put up this kind of performance and win a game, like, it's what great teams do. And ever since that Notre game where he got held for, like, you know, three catches, 30 yards, four straight 100-yard games, four straight games with a touchdown, like, Marvin Harrison just exploded on the scene again. And dude's a baller. Taking one over one. Bears, come on. Don't, don't drop Caleb one. Drop Marvin one. <laughs> 101 for me. I'm taking him 101 if I ever let me. Oh, hell yeah. Sure. Staying in the Big Ten, Indiana chokes the game away against Penn State. This is a painful one, Josh, because we were watching this at the bar. We were kind of like keeping an eye on like, oh, like, Indiana scores a long touchdown. Like, they're jumping out early. Okay, cool, Indiana. Then Indiana's hanging around, and they force an interception against Aller late in the fourth. They tie it up. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, two minutes left, like a minute 30 left. Indiana's got a chance to win this one, maybe go into overtime. And then Penn State goes down and scores quickly in like five plays. Like, ah, that's tough. But, you know, Indiana can still drive down and win the game. And then they fumble up back of their end zone, making a two-score game. And it's like, ah, oh, Indiana pissed down your leg. This game was closer than the score because the scoring came right at the end. Like, we, we get to the bar and was like, wait, holy shit, there's three points in this game. Yeah. And Indiana have the ball. And then they get a pick as well. Yeah, this was a, this was a really, really fun game. This was a good one to watch. And... and 
yeah, the, the score was close. It was a close one, 33-24, but the score was closer than that as well. This was 24-27. This was, uh, Indiana played a good game. Penn State, Penn State didn't play the best game, but Indiana hung in there. Uh, I don't think anyone gave them as much of a fighting chance as they, as they showed them. Not at all. Shout out Indiana. It was a fun game. Yeah, no one gave the Hoosiers a chance. And, you know, Penn State, I'm very skeptical on now. This is back-to-back weeks now. I'm like, Ooh, they're a little shaky, and their season's not done yet. There's they still got to play Michigan, but I am a lot less confident in Penn State than I was two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with that as well. I thought they were going to be much better against Ohio State, and yeah, another tough one against Indiana. It's hard, right? Because we've seen a lot of teams now, especially some of the bigger ranked teams, start to have a little bit of a shake these last couple of weeks. I don't know, there's some, some mid-season jitters going on around the league, and. Hopefully they can start to ride them because this test, all of the teams are starting to get into the corner of their schedule. The back, the back part of the season is, is stacked with, with big games. And we're going to have to see some improvements from a lot of teams. Otherwise, what was it we, we read the other day? The, the pre, like the pre polls for, uh, the bowl matchups or the playoffs. Apparently the, the original top four have only been in the college playoffs. One of the last nine seasons. Yes. And the playoff rankings come out Tuesday. For the first time this year. Yeah, and as I said, the last nine years, it's only been one where the top four have been the top four. So it could be, you know, if we, if we don't see some of these shit start to get worked out quickly, we might be on for one of ten. Yeah, and I, I'd i imagine the top four is going to be Georgia 1, Michigan 2, probably Ohio State 3, Florida State 4. Michigan and Ohio State are going to have to play each other, so... That definitive one three four is not going to stick. Yeah, but we'll see. The four spots open. Man. There's yeah. so many good teams. That four spot could be could be four. one of maybe four teams. Florida State, Washington, Oregon. They're they're the three I've immediately got, and then Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah, maybe whoever wins out of those two, when they they got they got play again. They play one might play again for Big Twelve Championship. Hell, it could be Alabama, which is going to be like the worst. <laughs> it's going to be the worst thing in the world when Alabama wins the SEC. They'll have one loss to Texas, and they'll get in that four spots and play off, and then they just win the championship. It's so saving, isn't it? Ew, <laughs> That'd be the worst way to end a college season. Like, ugh. Yeah, fucking okay, Alabama again. <laughs> suck ass. That sucks so much ass. Josh, I'm just going to read through some scores here in the Big Ten. Uh, we are watching the score closely. Minnesota, Michigan State. Minnesota came back in the second half. Big offensive explosion. They scored 17 in the fourth. They went 27-12. Nebraska, they've turned it around. They're now 5-3. They beat Purdue. It's 31-14. Then Northwestern, they've turned it around. I thought Northwestern was dead in the water this year after the whole Pat Fitzgerald hazy scandal. They're now 4-4. They would beat Maryland 33-27. Any any notes on those? Shout out Matt Rule. We loved him at the start of the season. We loved him when he went to the Panthers, which we probably shouldn't have, but we know he's a great college coach. I'm still scarred by those years. (laughs) The years of, of Panthers as the team of TF because they should have been better, but <laughs> that's that's few and far between. But yeah, hey, I really like I really like Raw, really like what he does with college teams and the way he turns programs around. So yeah, that's a big big shout out to, to Matt Rule. I'm reading a box score for Nebraska. I don't know how they scored 31 points. Their quarterback, Hyrick Harvard, who they benched um after I forget the guy in transfer from George Tech that started earlier in the season. Six of eleven, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Their receivers, the only touchdown came on a long pass 
from Jalen Lloyd, one catch, 73-yard touchdown. The other guy, Thomas Fidel, one yard, one catch, one touchdown. That's an efficient stat line. And the only, you think they, like, ran the ball? No, no, they only ran for 155 yards. Like, how the hell is Nebraska doing this? I love this. Yeah, that's not a 31-point stat line. No. <laughs> and, hell, Nebraska's got Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. Parents, parents, talk to your kids about the possibility of Nebraska winning the West. <laughs> After the start of the season, could you imagine? And hell, even Minnesota. Talk to your kids about Minnesota winning the West after the start of their season. Never talk to my kids about <laughs> Unfortunately, we cannot talk about Iowa this week. They were on by, which, Josh, what did you say yesterday? I think it's their best chance of scoring 25. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. That's classic. Uh, just a couple other scores for the Big 12. Texas, they beat BYU big, 3-5-6. Again, no Quinn Ewers this past week. He's like that collarbone injury. I don't know the timeline of his injury, but it looked good. Yeah, yeah, this is a good Texas team. This is a team I believe in, and yeah, excited to see them down the stretch. And we alluded to him earlier, the Ollie Gordon show rolls on. 25 carries, 271 yards, two touchdowns over his past like four games. He's had over almost 900 yards from scrimmage and like eight touchdowns. I love Ollie Gordon. Get him on your draft boards immediately. Ollie Gordon's been insane. Have you got his have you got his actual lines from the last few games? Because he went for like wouldn't he go for like 150 rushing plus 120 odd receiving in the same game the other week as well. He's been electric. Alright, in the last five games, so Ollie Gordon kind of exploded onto the scene because Oklahoma State couldn't figure out their offense. In the last five games, 18 for 121, 21 for 136 in the score. 29 rushes for 168 and a score. And then again, 29 rushes, 282 yards and a score. And then this past week, 25 for 271, two touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he had a six catches, 116 yard touchdown game. Yeah, Ollie Gordon's awesome. This is an Ollie Gordon pod. This is a Jason Bean pod. This is a Jetfish pod. If I'm the Bears, if I'm the Bears, I'm hiring Jetfish. I'm drafting Ollie Gordon, I'm drafting Jason Bean, and I'm carrying on the dream. <laughs> is that the greatest offense in America? And then you just, you know, put like an Ohio State receiver or a Washington yeah. receiver there. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm, this is how I'm drafting my fantasy team next year. <laughs> I'll put up four points every week, but it's going to be the... But most, I'm going to love it. <laughs> I'm going to love it. Ugh. And then the last couple of games, we're going to the group of five now. Because we have three ranked, very good group of five teams. Number, tw- number 25, James Madison. Respect the Dukes. They won 30-27 over Old Dominion. And I want to say this, this rivalry signs in Virginia, that area. I uh, forget what it's called. But good on James Madison. This is not the best performance of this season. But they won their first ever as a ranked team game. I love that for the Dukes. I just hate that they're not eligible for a bowl game this year. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. It's so annoying that they're not eligible for a bowl game because they are good enough and it would, whoever they played would have been a real, real fun game. We're going to be robbed of a, of a real good bowl game, unfortunately. And they've got a feel for the guys that are playing for James Madison because it only hurts the guys that are playing. Yeah, and I was telling you this yesterday, the reason they have this rule in place is to prevent teams from going up from FCS to FBS, making a lot of money, then immediately dropping down, which... Who would do that? Because they're going to make more money staying in... Yeah, and, yeah. well, because the thought of, like, oh, because the scholarship is a little bit different in the FBS versus FCS, because you get a little bit more. They don't want teams to jump up, use the extra, you know, do it for four years, get that extra scholarship, and then drop down and have all these players. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And one, like, one team in 
recent memory has dropped from FBS to FCS. And it's Idaho, and it's working out for Idaho. They are a top five team in the FCS now. They were a bottom 130 team in the FBS for decades. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, it's kind of makes me think about promotion and relegation in, in college football, and you know, that's a, that could be a topic for an entire podcast. You know, maybe in the offseason we can run something like that. Okay. Alternative rules to the CFP, potential alternative rules to the CFP. That could be a fun one. Yeah, because it's just, it's punishing the players. These players are going to win the Sun Belt, and they won't get to play in the Sun Belt Championship. They deserve this. What, what's the point of being generationally bad like what's the point of being 130th ranked every year for, for 20 years there's no point go down and when you're good enough you come back up yeah that's what you know english football is like that's what soccer is like that's how you have promotion you have relegation and you know believe it or not we play american football in england and, and there's promotion and relegation that we have the premiership we have division one we have division two and the top two teams from division two go to division one and the same into the premiership and then the bottom two go down it's uh it makes it competitive and it stops Teams that just are that bad just always be in it because there's no point getting blown out 70 nothing really. What's the point? Yeah, it's weird. And the fact that you said they play American football in England, you're telling my friends that all weekend. They were genuinely mind blown. <laughs> they they couldn't comprehend that you played football. There was like, why do you know so much about football? Like, do you like football? <laughs> and you're showing them pictures of you and Steph with the helmets on. They're just like, what the? They they could not comprehend that they play football outside of America. The helmet is so. The, those pictures are funny as well. I'll put. I might put it in the uh, in the TF Discord. The uh, the the picture is uh, me in my first ever game, and it was absolutely freezing. I'm wearing my my hip pad is basically on the front of me, <laughs> protecting my groin more than my hips. And the guy that I'm standing next to, his face mask is covering his eyes rather than his face. And it's uh, the old school chipped oh, Air yeah. XPs. We call them the Concussion Buckets Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the kit was was <laughs> left a lot to be desired, but we had a, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> I love that. Uh, real quick, just a couple other games. Number twenty-two Tulane, they hold on thirty twenty-eight over Rice. The Rice Bowl dream is not dead yet; they can still get there. Uh, but good on Tulane. That's a good win against a tough opponent. Yeah, yeah, that is a good win for Tulane, and, and I've been enjoying this Tulane team. We had a quick look at their schedule and. They potentially have a very spicy matchup the last game of the season. Against UTSA, the final of the season. Tulane, they finish out the season with at Eastern Carolina, should be a win. Tulsa, which will be a win. SMU just scored 69 on Tulsa on Saturday. They were up 52 nothing at half. Like, it's just a blowout. At FAU, that's another win. And then finishing against UTSA, which could be a preview of the American Championship, depending on how things shake out. Because, again, the American, like, the ACC... The Mountain West, the Pac-12, Big 12, it's top tier, it's not just East and West. Yeah. Yeah, there's some real exciting games now. As we've said many a time, the, the gauntlet is, is truly here in, in the next two weeks especially. There's some fantastic matchups and a couple more sneaky good ones down the line as well. It's going to be a, a real fun close to the season. Yeah. Can't even say close to the season. Can't believe we're there almost already. It's that horrible. Makes, it makes me so sad that we're in week nine. Um, and then one last game of number five, Air Force, number 19 Air Force, leader in the G5 right now. They handled Colorado State easily in the snow up there in Colorado Springs, 32-13. Uh, Air Force is sitting atop the Mount West. As of, you know, season are in tomorrow, they would make the automatic qualifier in that um, New Year's Six, and they would play in the Fiesta Bowl against, like, the next ranked uh, non-conference champion. 
We had a lot of nonsense this week. One of my favourite nonsense stories came out of this game with the Colorado State fans getting two unsportsmanlike penalties for throwing snowballs at the refs. I missed this. <laughs> they were all in the stands and they were all launching snowballs at the sideline referees and they had to keep flagging them. <laughs> they started moving them back up the stands because they like, stopped throwing snow at the refs. <laughs> if I'm a coach, if I'm the Colorado State head coach, Jay Norvell, my brother, one of the Norvells. I am making every student run stadium stairs. I'm like, no. In the snow. Yeah, in the snow. You cost my team 30 yards. You cost my team. You're running. You're running with the team. It's true. It's what I feel like uh, Eagles fans would do. They boot Santa. They throw snow. Even even Eagles fans don't throw snow at the refs. Yeah, exactly. God. Colorado seems such a toxic team. Like, all that stuff. Colorado. Now, fans are throwing snowballs at the refs. Jesus. (laughs) What's going on up there in Foco? There's a lot of legal drugs. <laughs> you are? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I walk myself. We know exactly what's going on. Yeah, okay, very, very <laughs> fair. Um, any other thoughts from the past play of games, Josh? Just a really fun week, another really good competitive week, a lot of good games, some amazing upsets this week. This is probably the most upsets we've had in a week so far, especially for big teams. Anyway. Yeah, big teams. Um, yeah, just a real fun week and it feels like we've, the quality of football's got better every single week and the matchups are only getting better from here on out, so we really are in for a treat for the rest of the, the, rest of the season. One last thing for just this week as a whole, the update on the Michigan Seinstein scandal. Uh, the Michigan Manifesto, like, how much of a weirdo do you have to be to write a 500-page manifesto by yourself detailing our, how you would take over a team and run it? Josh, we are football weirdos and sickos. We're not that, we're not that crazy. Hey, we might not be, but I'm going to shout out Ryan, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm shouting out Ryan, because before we got him writing some bits for the channel, this absolute sicko was writing 150 pages of draft breakdowns for just himself. He wasn't posting them anywhere, he wasn't sending them to his friends, I had to ask him for them when I found out he did them. True sicko, I feel like Ryan might write a manifesto of how he would run a team. Have, <laughs> have we seen Connor Stallions and Ryan in the same room? Because they might be the same person. <laughs> the same person. I, I, don't I don't know. Stallions. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Connor Stallions just, I saw a comment on Twitter, he's on Twitter, Reddit, saying this guy was like a family tragedy away from being a serial, a serial <laughs> killer. Like, this, this guy is a Unabomber, but for football. <laughs> yeah, that whole story is crazy and I feel like we're only going to get more levels to it. I need to get my hand on that manifesto. I want to read it. You might get put on the list if you read that <laughs> manifesto. <laughs> it, it's literally, the guy was just like, I want to be the Michigan head coach. Here's how I would run it. It's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I is he even involved in football? Is he ever been coached, or is he? So he was a grad assistant at Navy. He so no, <laughs> no, you're right. No, um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen in this situation. I think Harbaugh probably jumped for the NFL to avoid any suspensions or any like self-imposed ban. Yeah, you know, no, self-imposed. Next season, they were going to come up wearing hardball shirts. Free hardball again. Fucking hate team. I and the best part is like Michigan might win the championship this year, and everyone's just gonna remember them for the science ceiling. It's gonna be the funniest, funniest meme. But that's gonna be a wrap on our week nine recaps. We're gonna jump into the week ten previews and look at the time. We're gonna speed past this one just a little bit because we're having a little too much fun here, Josh. We're, we're, <laughs> we're rattling on. We're rattling on. Yeah. We're quite through some of these games. First one, first big one for me. Number thirteen LSU taking on number eight Alabama in Alabama. Mine's four and a half line. Who you got in this one? So last year, LSU wins on the two-point conversion at the end of the game, upside to Alabama. And it's like Brian Kelly's signature moment. This Alabama, 
Let's let's start with LSU first. This LSU team is dead in the water unless Jane Daniels is yeah balling. Coming off the ball. Yeah, coming off the ball, you're right. Um, I don't think LSU has enough talent around them. I think Alabama's defense is just going to, again, that bow constrictor. Yeah. I don't think Alabama has the offense to win in a shootout with them. Give me Alabama 2017. This is the really weird thing about this Alabama team is I don't trust them to do anything. It's going to sound really weird. I don't trust them to really do anything, especially on offense. But I still weirdly trust them to win because they just keep winning these games, even though I don't trust the offense is good enough. They still keep winning these games. Can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> it's such a, yeah, it's a strange team. And you're right, you know, LSU have a, have a heavy reliance on, on Daniels when he's fit. And if he's fit and healthy, I think they have, they do have enough to win here because I don't know if, if he's fit and healthy and firing, I don't know if the Alabama offense has the firepower to keep up. But it's a real tough test for LSU against this defense because this Alabama defense is very, very good. It's why they're still in this season and still yeah. maybe another chance of going to the final four. God, that'd be so awesome. Yeah. I think LSU can cover. Again, I said 2017. What do you got? Oh, give me, I'll take LSU money off. Oh, I love it. I love it. Straight up. Okay. All right. Next one. Number five, Washington at number 24, USC. Somehow Washington's only a four point favorite in this one. Like Washington might score 70, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I just don't know how this is four point. We've said this before. There's been a couple of strange lines for USC this year. You know, I feel like it has to be the Caleb of them. But like the only reason this is a four-point game is because they have Caleb on that side. Because this UW team is head and shoulders above the USC team. I think the offense is better. Caleb is Caleb, but I think the offense, from an actual offensive standpoint, is a better offense. And I think the defense is way better than USC. So I don't think that's close. Yeah, this is a this is a comfortable UW plus four. I'm I'm saying yeah. I think I might just take like Washington to win this one. I think 49-17. Yeah, you take a little line. Yeah, big old. You can say like a. a Seven and a half or something. Ten. I think like a fourteen point. Like this, Washington's got a good defense. They will create turnovers, and Penix is just gonna sit in the pocket all day and just drop bombs to Rome and drop bombs to McMillan and drop bombs to. It, it, it's not even close. Yeah, this, this, yeah, yeah. This this offense can have way too much for the defense. Let's see if you can actually stop USC. They're good enough too, but you never know what kind of bullshit game going to bring. <laughs> You're right, but this is the game that gets Alex Grinch fired. Next game, number 14, Mizzou, at number one, Georgia, in between the hedges. Georgia's a 16-point favorite. How is Georgia a 16-point favorite? And then USC's only a four-point underdog. I It's going to be another repeat of this past week. I think Georgia's just going to come out firing, yeah. prove them, hey, we are still the top dogs. We will get up when we want to get up, and if we're just going to coast by. Yeah, yeah, I've got pretty, pretty confident that this is going to be a Georgia covered spread. Um, I think Georgia again could maybe hit the over on their own. They're, they're that potent right now, even without Bowers. This is a this is a good Georgia team, and business as usual in this one. Business as usual, indeed. Number twenty-five, Kansas State at number seven, Texas. Again, Green Uralist, Texas. Texas five and a half point favorite. Who got in this one? Oh, I kind of like Texas not to cover this one. I think they might win, but I don't know if they'll cover without, especially without you was there. No, they're a good side, but yeah, give me. Give me Texas not to cover. I'm thinking Kansas State straight up. Like Kansas State's going to win this game. Kansas State is, people forgot about them because they had that loss early in Missouri and they had another loss, um, I want to say, who was it to? Was it Oklahoma? Yeah, I think they lost to Oklahoma earlier. Uh, they are still one of the most disciplined teams in the Big 12 era. Tough, tough team. Chris Kleiman, great coach. Yeah, I think Kansas State can win this game. They just dive into the rankings, right? Just dive in at 25 this week in the latest poll. So yeah, yeah they're going from strength to strength. 
Ooh, I like it. Penn State. Yeah, Penn State straight up. They're going to knock out um, Texas from the Big 12 conversation. Mm-hmm. They lost to Oklahoma State. And that was when Ollie Gordon first on this team. So, yeah. you know, if you lose Ollie Gordon, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Staying in the Big 12, number 22, Kansas at Iowa State. Iowa State is a one-point favorite in this one. That's got to be the home field advantage. We don't know if Bean Boy is going to be out or Daniels is going to be playing. Because Jalen Daniels suited up last Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we sort of in on the sideline yesterday, but don't know if he's still dealing with something or they're just sticking with a hot hand, as you said. What do you got? Oh, I'm hammering Kansas. I'm hammering Kansas. You know I'm hammering Kansas. I'm I think better than Iowa State. Iowa State is a plucky team. And I Kansas hate can beat Oklahoma. You're right. They can beat Iowa State. You're right. But it's going to be in-aimed. Iowa State is a plucky team. They, for some reason, their backups are all better than their gambling starters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think Kansas is going to be too much. Kansas plays really good defense. Like, those corners are, one, physical, but two, ball hawks. We saw it against yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, it can be all Kansas in this one. I think it's in tune, probably like a 31, 31-20. Yeah, that sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, 31-20 Kansas. Yeah, that, that one point. Sweet. Point spread is very tough for this one because Kansas so damn good team. Are people just not watching Kansas? I feel that's not watching football. It's not yeah. Vegas knows more than I do. Um next game. Number twenty UCLA. They're going into the fishbowl to take on Arizona. UCLA is a one and a half point favorite. I really, really want to pick Arizona. I do too. But my brain just is not letting me because <laughs> this UCLA defense is so good. Is what do you pick? Do you pick the hot Arizona offense, or do you pick the best defense UCLA, uh, UCLA may have ever had? I'm taking Arizona because it's the exact same situation as Oregon State. It's a night game in Tucson. Weird voodoo shit happens in the desert in November <laughs> with these teams. I think the Bruins are going to turn to fish food, and Arizona's going to get full eligible, and they're probably sneaking into rankings. Give me Arizona. The feet up. I'm, I'm here for it all. Bear down, baby. I hope you're right. And with every fiber of my being, I hope that's what happens. But I'm taking UCLA in this one. We disagree on one. We disagree on one. Next game, number 12, Notre Dame at Clemson. Notre Dame, a three and a half point favorite. Again, are people just not watching these games? Such a weird line. This is such a weird line because this is a very, very good Notre Dame team. And this is a very, very bad Clemson team. I can't understand a three and a half point line. I know it's in Clemson. I would have had this. When Tyler when said to me, what is this line? I think I said, what, 14? 14 yeah. and a half? Mm-hmm. It's like three and a half. I'm like, okay, I'll be hammering, hammering Notre Dame to cover that. I think the reason it's so low is because they're probably expecting both offenses to suck ass. Like, Notre Dame's offense has kind of regressed after those first four weeks. Yeah. Sam Hartman's playing all right. But they got the run game going, and they have a great dominant defense. They have good special teams again. I think Notre Dame is going to win this one comfortably. I think it's going to be close by at halftime, but I can see Notre Dame winning this one to the tune of like 31-17, 31-24. Yeah. Um, Clemson's going to want revenge though because Notre Dame blew the doors off them last year and that was like, oh, dabble like like I think they won like 44-10. Like, they blew the doors off them. That was, I can see that again. I can see that this year. Yeah. That was the Benjamin Morrison coming out game where he had like a pick six, like three interceptions. He's also still been balling out. Shout out to Xavier Watts to save for Notre Dame. Another pick. Yeah, give me Notre Dame all this one. I just don't know what Clemson has done to show that they're worthy of a three and a half point line against a team that is currently ranked 12. 
Yeah. Strange one. That was a good coach. Like, probably gonna try to get the team up for it. I still, I still see no name on this one. Next game, and I think this might be my most favorite game of the week. It's Bedlam. Bedlam's my favorite, one of my favorite games every year. Number 10, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, and the Ollie Gordon Show. The Sooners are six and a half point favorites, and this is gonna be the last Bedlam for a while, folks, because Oklahoma is moving to the SEC, and Oklahoma State is staying in the Big 12, and this game's gonna be in Stillwater. The sky is always midnight black in Stillwater. It could be four o'clock in the afternoon. It is still midnight black. I'm so juiced for this one. Who you got? Give me the Pokes on the upset, and we're gonna get some real chaos in the Big 12 this week. I was telling you guys last night, I think that we might get a situation where it's like, Kansas and Kansas State is going to decide the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Hey, Oklahoma are going to want to bounce back. Oklahoma, I'm expecting to, to come out far, and I'm expecting them to, to really start to try and find you because if they don't now, well, they're, they're basically out of the race as well. So they, they really need to come out and, uh, and show something. But that being said, I think Oklahoma State are going to win. I have Oklahoma State in this one as well. Yeah. They're going to have the bragging rights to the last bedlam. It's going to leave a real sour taste in Oklahoma fans' mouths. And, they're not going to forget this one for a while. It'll be poetic justice. And I'm not sure you know this, Josh. They've been playing Bedlam for like a long, long time. Oklahoma State's only ever won like 20 games. And this series has been going on for 80 plus years. It's, this is a huge, huge game. And the reason I'm so high on Oklahoma State is this Oklahoma run defense is bad. It's god awful. Kansas diced them up. Texas was dicing them up. UCF diced them up. Ollie Gordon's, Ollie Gordon. I think he's going to go for like a, he might get 50 touches this game because they're just going to start feeding him yeah. and just let him. Throw the swings, yeah. hand it off. Let yeah. him win you the game. Yeah. Yeah, the only Gordon show really is. Yeah. And then one last game, Virginia Tech at Louisville. Mentioned that earlier. Winner of this game is in the definitive second place behind Florida State in the ACC. Who you got? The Virginia Tech disrespect is real. People haven't been... Paying them their dues and, and oh, right, rightfully so for you know oh, right, a, good, so. a good start. And you know I don't think they're going to win this one, but I think they cover ten and a half. I think they're good enough to cover ten and a half, but because I don't think Louisville have been, as I said, as good as I think they can be. I can't expect that a little bit again. Give me, uh, give me Louisville to the tune of all the twenty seven twenty twenty seven around there. Okay, okay. I'm taking, I think Louisville can cover this one. Give me Louisville 30 to like 17 on this one. And Josh, I also lied. I have a couple more games for you. It's the second leg of the Commander in Chief Trophy, Army at Air Force. Air Force is an 18 and a half point favorite. Fly Falcons fly. That's it. Air Force to win the Commander in Chief. And then another one. This is going to pain me to say. Before the show started, I said, hey, Northwestern Iowa are playing. Guess what the over-under is. And what was your first guess? I said it cannot be lower than the Minnesota one. It's got to be like 33. And it was lower. And it was lower. And it's actually sub-30. Which has to be the lowest ever opening line. It's 29.5. They're putting this game on Peacock. Thankfully so. So no one can watch <laughs> it. They are like trying to shield children's eyes from this. This is going to be the ugliest game ever. Give me Iowa 7-3. Man, I hate everything about this Iowa team. I've said it for the last maybe four weeks in a row. It's a 29 and a half point spread. 
and the under is almost certainly going to hit. <laughs> I don't even think I would bet the over if this was like 27 and a half. Death taxes Iowa unders. <laughs> <laughs> One fun note, uh, Maxion starts out this week. So we have Tuesday games. I love Maxion. The sun starts setting a little bit earlier. Tuesday night football's on. Wednesday night football's on. It's the best time of the year. Friends, just enjoy all of the football that you're going to be getting. And quick note, probably a little late record next week. I'm going to my first college game of the year. Hey, flying out to Oregon, right? Flying out to Oregon. Shout out all the homies over there in the Bay. Little college reunion. And shout out from the program. Joe's going to meet me there. Joe, huge Oregon fan. He's currently living in Phoenix. Meet us up there. It's going to have a fun time. Yeah, it's going to be a great trip. I'm, I'm very jealous. I had no been to Eugene and... Steph's told me many times that I've got to get to Eugene, so I'm hoping to get out there one year. It's going to look a lot different. It's Oregon, also Cal. Uh, the funniest thing in the world is if Cal wins this game, and I'm just going to be <laughs> distraught. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'll be an even later. It'll be a solo record by myself. <laughs> I might have to do a emergency recording just by myself <laughs> in the depths of the stadium, like shell-shocked. They're like a voice note to me. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just play that at the pub this week. It'll be 4 a.m. at West Coast time, so you'll be like, what the hell? I'll still be going out. Oregon's a 23.5-point favorite on this one. Um, let's start the Bucky Irving Heisman talk. I'm here for it. All here for it. All here for it. Yeah, you should have a good trip. You're very jealous of that one, but it's going to be a good, a good yeah. one. And then one last thing, Josh. What's been your favorite part on your New York City visit? Ooh. The first thing I'll say is watching football at a reasonable time. That's a, <laughs> pretty nice. that's a, a big one of, of getting up at midday and having football on rather than starting to settle down for the evening. But I love meeting all your friends, all your, everyone that you kind of introduced me to. Shout out all you guys. Everyone's been, been super friendly, super chill. Made me feel very welcome. And hey, it's an awesome city. I've enjoyed visiting Brooklyn. I only saw a bit of Manhattan when I was here before, so I got to experience a bit more of Brooklyn and Williamsburg. And hey, it's been a lot of fun. And, and shout out you for hosting. Been, been good to come and see you. I chat to you every day. We chat ball every day. Do a podcast every week, do the channel every week, so good to good to see you in person and watch some games in person. I think this is the first time we've ever watched live football together in person. Yes, it is, because uh, we only ever met two times. Yeah. The other time was the draft. in London for the draft, so yeah, we never ever watched live football. It's an awesome, awesome time. We're hoping we can do more live shows like these. Mm-hmm. Maybe I get out to London. We're discussing, hey, let's go next year. Start doing a lot more uh, in-person games. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, that's just gonna wrap it up, though. We're gonna I'm gonna take Josh out, see a little bit more, maybe Manhattan, Williamsburg, uh, get some Food. dinner, watch the rest of this NFL slate. Subscribe to the Patreon so we can do more fun shit like this. Yeah. Um, subscribe to the channel. We just put out Travis Kelsey video. Shout out to all you Swifties. I think Josh, you heard more Taylor Swift this weekend than I've been the last ten years. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's something. Uh, any final notes? I actually text uh, text someone earlier and said I hope. Uh, I hope uh, Swift Taylor's at the game because I need Kelsey to go for about 25 fantasy points if I'm going to win this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. Uh, take care. Yeah, enjoy the games. Take care.